What is up, girlfriend? Welcome to the Hey Soul Sister podcast. I'm your host, Lindsay Turk, and I am so dang pumped that you are here. This is a space that is all about real, from the heart, for the soul chats designed to help other women like me fearlessly pursue their dreams, build habits that serve them, and chase after becoming the women that the Lord called them to be. I'm going to get really vulnerable with all my soul sisters out there as I share tangible tools that will help women build the lives that they've dreamed of for the glory of God. We are going to have a whole lot of fun, keep it super real, share in some really great words and fellowship, and take action together that will make us really freaking proud of the women that we are and the women that we are becoming. Buckle up because here we go. We are doing the dang thing. Hey, Soul Sister, what is up? Happy Thursday and welcome to this week's episode of the Hey, Soul Sister podcast. I am so freaking pumped that you are here and I am just beyond excited to share this week's podcast with you. Let me just say, you know, I'm always talking about being pumped about a podcast and, you know, being excited for you to listen in. But this week is probably my favorite episode today date. Um, if you are just hopping in or tuning in for the first time, um, first off, welcome. I do want to let you know that you are tuning in to week three of our Relationship Realness series, um, where we are just talking all things relationships. So we started off talking about singleness. Last week, we had an amazing guest talk with me all about Christian dating. And then this week, of course, we will be talking about marriage. Um, and when I started thinking about doing a podcast on marriage, there was only um, you know, one couple that came to mind that I knew had to be the people to have this conversation with me. And that is my parents, um, Roger and Sherry Turk. They are two of just the most amazing people in the world. I am so blessed to have them in my life and to be my parents. Um, But what you need to know about them is that they have been happily and healthily married for 42 years. When you think about marriage goals like Roger and Sherry Turk are marriage goals. Um, it is not perfect by any means, but they have um, just walked out marriage in such a beautiful way that is incredibly admirable. Um, and I just cannot wait for you guys to get a glimpse into what a truly happy and healthy you know, long-term marriage looks like. Um, and so this conversation, I know it's going to make an impact in so many different people's lives, whether you are single and longing for marriage, or you are dating and looking for marriage, or you are married and you just want some advice on how to um, have a happy and healthy long-term relationship. This is for you. And I cannot wait for it to bless you. I do want to let you know that this conversation was just so good that um, it is going to be in two parts. So this week is going to be part one. Of course, next week we'll do part two. And I assure you that you want to listen to all of it because my parents just dropped so many amazing nuggets. And I cannot wait for you to just listen in um, and let this impact your life. So without further ado, I would like to introduce my parents, Roger and Sherry Turk. So welcome. Good morning. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you guys so much for putting up with all of my shenanigans always and always being down to support me and help me out. And, um, and just for being here today, I'm really excited for our conversation and for all the wisdom that you guys are going to drop and share with us. So we're going to go ahead and dive in. 
So the question that we start every podcast with a guest is, um, if you could go back four years and give yourself one piece of advice, what would it be? But we discussed that a potentially more relevant question for this specific podcast um, and our viewers would be that um, if you could go back and give yourself one piece of advice before you got married, what would it be? So what would it be? Well, I've been thinking about this and what I thought is that I always believed that God had a plan for my life, um, and I had faith in that. But my advice to me, to myself, would be to be joyfully confident and expecting um, what that plan is. There were many times when I wasn't married yet, you know, the single life and everybody, the pressure of the world is that you should be married. And I would be anxious and really unhappy about that. And so I would like to tell myself, you have that faith that God has a plan for you. So be joyfully expecting what that plan is and confident that it includes this other person or he would not have given you that desire in your heart. That's good. I mean, we've talked a lot about this, obviously, but um, yeah, I mean, that's, I feel like I've finally gotten to that place where I don't feel like anxious or resentful in my singleness that I am in that place of like joyful confidence that I will, it will either happen for me in the perfect timing. And if that's when I'm 35 or if it's when I'm 42, whenever it is like, it will happen if that is what God has planned for me. And if it doesn't, like he will take that desire off my heart and I will be okay. And I will still continue living a full and happy life. So I think that's really good because I think that, um, that goes against what the society tells us about marriage and like when we should get married and, um, kind of the posture that we should have around marriage. So I think that was good. And I didn't experience that. Yeah. That joyfulness of the anticipation of who that might be and how it would be. Yeah. And I can tell you it's <laughs> worth the wait. I would agree. It's obviously not my marriage, but watching it, I would agree. All right. Raj man, what you got? It's very similar. I think in that, you know, back I'll date myself back in the seventies when I graduated from college and I had a, at that time, a good job and I'd bought a house and, and, you know, everybody that I was, had gone to high school with mostly, or even knew in college, we're getting, you know, we're already getting married. And, and, you know, the question is like, well, if you're, you're, you're 25 years old, why aren't you married yet? And then it's like, you get that kind of that peer pressure maybe, or that feeling that you just need to, you know, settle for something. But um, I found, you know, I would, of course was dating and that sort of thing, but it was like, never going to be where it was supposed to go. I didn't feel. And, <laughs> And I think it really came down to when I finally just started being more consciously praying about mm. who I was supposed to be with and who God wanted for me. And, and I, I really feel like there was a, a turning point in my life at that point in time, because I, you know, reconnected with God, you get in college and do all the stuff in college and kind of get away from that. And even when you're single and have a job and you think you're, you know, can conquer the world and you're not, God isn't really the center of your life, like you should be. Um, 
it's when I stopped and kind of re-centered with God and, you know, had that conscious seeking God's guidance and direction that boom, you know, here, here comes the person that he has for me and completely all but out of nowhere in some regards. And, and so then when it happens, it's, you know, it's, you know, it's right. And so mm-hmm. just not, not getting impatient, too impatient, it's not settling and making sure that you are seeking God's direction and guidance. And it's not necessarily going to be in your time, obviously it's going to be in his <laughs> time. And so you just have to be in it and be patient and wait for it. Yeah. I think that's the hardest part is the, is the patience. And I think that that's something that a lot of people get away from is, you know, remembering that when you're impatient, that you're supposed to like take everything that you're experiencing. But I think especially in those emotions, like to God and tell him, Hey, like, I feel like I'm ready for this. If you don't think I am like, show me what I need to do so that I can be ready for it. Um, so I think the prayers, like that's one, one big thing we talked about that in, um, the first episode that I did in this, uh, relationship realness series was like one of the most important things I think we can do in our singleness is pray for our future spouse, um, in those moments where we're desiring marriage or, you know, we're thinking about that person. Um, and I, th- I definitely feel like, you know, I haven't walked it out yet, but I feel like there's definitely a lot of power in that. Um, so that was so good. Thank you both for sharing. Um, so with that being said, we'll just kind of dive into our full uh, conversation. That was a great segue. And I want to kind of start um, with kind of the a couple of like pre-marriage questions, maybe. Um, so what's something that you did while you were single that you feel like prepared you for marriage? So I took a poll on my Instagram stories and the majority of my listeners are either single or married, actually more are married than single, but I want to make sure that this is a, um, an episode that, you know, kind of feeds the single folks as well. So what did you do when you were single that helped to prepare you for marriage? Well, I think having those relationships along the way, because it kind of helped you see things and people that you disliked about individuals. Mm -hmm. And then you saw things that you did like about individuals. And I think in some ways that sort of shapes your perspective on who you, who you personally think is going to be the right person for you. And of course, God can change that, but it helps you seek out when you are looking, it helps you kind of seek out the characteristics and people that you think you want to have in a, in a deep relationship with somebody. Yeah. I remember when I graduated college and I was kind of like exploring the idea of dating after I'd been in a college relationship. And you guys told me like, well, if you have the desire for marriage, the way to get there is through dating. And I had never really dated. I just had like relationships. Um, And I think that that is something that helped me a lot. And that that was something that you guys walked through and have continued to walk through with me is, you know, the encouragement of, you know, just go get a cup of coffee with somebody, go out to dinner with someone. And you learn so much about like, what's the most important to you. And I learned very quickly that the type of person that I was going to marry, you know, needed to have a strong faith. And I think with that, because I wanted to marry someone like my dad and like my brother, who are this, these amazing men. And it's like, well, what's the biggest thing about both of them is that they're like strong Christian men. And I think that made me see like, well, if I want somebody like those people that are strong in their faith, well, then I have myself also have to walk that out and be strong in my faith. So I, I think that's good because I think dating, not only does it teach you more about what you want your 
your spouse to look like, but what you want yourself to look like as you are preparing to become a spouse. So I think that's really good. What about you? (laughs) I think one of the things that I did um, when I was single was that people that I knew that I knew and who were married and a lot of it could have been relatives because it wasn't like just married people, but more like long-term married people. I would look at their marriages. um, And and I think looking at the long-term was what was important that they'd been married for a while. And I would say, I do want my marriage to be like that, or I do not want my marriage to be like that. I wanted to, um, anticipate being with that person um, 30 years into a marriage as much as I did when I was first married. Yeah, I wanted, yeah. you know, I wanted to be with them and enjoy being with them. That was the person I wanted to want to talk to when there was good or bad mm-hmm. or just on a regular day, you know, kind of thing. And so I would, I would see marriages that maybe weren't as close as I would want my marriage to be or, I mean, other aspects about marriage. And I made those decisions when I was single about what I really wanted my marriage to be like. And then when I got married, those things were, you know, still in my mind, forefront of my mind. How do you get there? Right. It didn't just happen because I want my marriage to be different, but I had to figure out how how do we get there? How do we make sure that that's the way it's going to be in 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, or 42 years? Yeah. 42 years. We love it. (laughs) Um, yeah, I think that's, I think that's super good too, um, to think about envisioning yourself in marriage and and what you, you know, expect that to be like, I think you can't just go into a relationship and expect, um, expect it to turn into, you know, expect it to be healthy and good. You have to figure out like what for you makes a healthy and good relationship and how are you going to like walk that out and live that out? So I think that's really, really good. Um, So you guys obviously have a very unique story and I won't make you tell your entire story of dating, but, um, you guys had a long distance dating relationship and you honestly did not even really see each other in real life very many times before you got engaged. How many times did you like see each other in real life before you got engaged? Um, I think it's eight, eight times in real life. So that's like eight in-person dates that you had before well, you were, were engaged. multiple days at a time, but still, okay. You know, a, a, a very different dating experience, very different from what we walk out in 2022 here, but how did the way that you dated one another prepare your relationship for marriage? Obviously it was unique, but you know, I, it's clearly worked. So what do you think that well, was? When you date. You, you see the world around you and you're both reacting to it, whether it's about looking at other couples, whether it's um, seeing people with children or seeing how someone, you know, in a public treat someone else and you react to it. And so you have that time to see what the other person thinks, because so if you react to it, then you expect them to say something. So that's a large part of dating that um, you're unaware of and it just happens. But we couldn't have that. And so one of the things we, um, of course, there was no texting and there was no cell phones. And so it was expensive to talk on the phone. But we did talk to each other um, 
often. And then once we were engaged, we talked to each other every single day and we would ask each other questions and in writing letters. And then we would answer it maybe in a letter or we'd answer it when we were on the phone. And then we also read some, a couple of books and we happen to read books about marriage. But I think even if you were reading the same book about anything and you talk about it, So in some ways, I really felt like that we knew each other in a different way, deeper than a lot of people who date, because you end up just spending time, but you don't really delve into getting to know someone in that deeper way and about things that people talk about after they get married. Oops, maybe too late. Because they might have been really big things to you um, and not to the other person. And then that causes problems. Not to say that every single second of our marriage was happy. It, oh, no, it was always happy. But there were there were points when for moments like, oh, that's what you think. Oh, oh, hmm, I'm thinking that's how you react. <laughs> and then. Because we had set up a pattern of talking to each other, we talked to each other when we had those thoughts and feelings. Yeah, I mean, like like she said, we, you know, we didn't even have computers. So, I mean, <laughs> we had snail mail. And so, you, could, you know, we would write each other, you know, once we got engaged, I think we wrote each other every day besides talking to each other on the phone every day. Um. I mean, we got, after we got married, I got this thing in the mail from the phone company wanted to know if if I was unhappy (laughs) with their service because I was creating such a big phone bill. And then all of a sudden after we got married, it got down to, you know, instead of being like a hundred dollars a month, it got down to a few dollars a month. And so they just basic fee, just just a basic (laughs) fee. So they thought I was unhappy with the phone service, but, um, and I think, you know, it was those intentional moments. I mean, you have more intentional moments when you, or that way. Uh, it kind of surprises me in this day and age when you see a couple come walking in and you can tell they're not married, that they're on a date and they sit down at the table to eat dinner and everything. And, and they're looking at the menu like you normally would. And then they make their order. And the first thing they do is they reach in their pocket or the purse and they pull out their mm-hmm. cell phones and they start texting to people. It's like, you came intentionally on this date with somebody. Mm-hmm. So why aren't you being intentional in that particular moment and, and have those discussions and have those moments with each other when you're there face to face. And, um, you know, I know it's a different generation and, but at the same time, generations may be different, but the success to marriage is going to be the same. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, having open communication with each other. And um, I think that was what we were able to do with the, the phone calls that we had and the, and the letters that we had, and we took advantage of the moments when we were together Yeah, uh, on those occasions, those eight times that, you know, <laughs> probably like 30, 30 different days and that it was eight in those eight times, but we, it made us very intentional. And I think yeah. sometimes moments get away from us and we don't take advantage of those. Yeah. I think that's so good. I, you just summarized kind of what I was going to kind of go off of there that I think that the two key themes in what you're saying is being intentional with how you dated sets you up to be intentional with your relationship and marriage and then building strong communication really because you 
literally had to, to get to know one another, um, able, you know, really built that solid foundation of communication. And I think you're so right that we just take, I don't know, we've take, I feel like in the dating world, um, as a whole, obviously not every relationship, we are doing a not great job at being intentional with how we're dating each other. It's so, you know, oh, it's, it, it's whatever, you know, we're just getting to know each other. We're just having fun, but we're not taking it seriously. And I think that the issue is a lot of people that aren't ready for marriage are dating and in all, you know, pretty much every relationship book that I've ever read or all these different podcasts and like sermons and things that I listen to, like your number one thing is like, if you are not ready to get married, if you cannot see yourself being married, then like, do not date. Um, because, and so with that, the, the whole idea is that then you're doing it intentionally. You're not, you know, setting yourself up to, to make mistakes, to fall into like toxic dating habits and things like that. And so I think that that's really good. Um, that those are the two things that you both touched on. And that was really what I expected you to say. So I'm kind of glad it's what you said, um, because that's something that I, as your daughter have seen you like walk out in your marriage is that you are very intentional with how you communicate with one another. Um, you're intentional with the fact that, you know, 42 and 42 years into marriage, you have never stopped pursuing one another. Like I see you both in pursuit of each other all of the time. Um, and that you are constantly studying each other and getting to know each other better as you both evolve and that you have communicated, you know, maybe not, perfectly by any means, but like you have continued to prioritize communicating with each other through the good, the bad, the ugly, like whatever life, you know, brings your way. Whenever there might've been weaker moments of non-communication, one of us would, you know, approach the other and we might not have said, you're not talking to me or whatever, (laughs) but it would, you know, what's going on. It just depends on what it is. Or simply planning a date in which you've got to talk to each other. And then the other, <laughs> yeah. the thing would come out or whatever, or just that reconnection. If something didn't need to come out and be discussed, it's just recreate, re, you know, getting that connection back, um, purposefully doing that. Don't yeah. let it go a long time. So that brings up um, something that I was wanting to to kind of touch on, but how do you, or have you worked through those like tough situations in life? Like maybe it's, you know, a larger conflict or, um, you know, something that has, you know, just those, those tough seasons that come through life. How do you feel like, you know, as a unit, you have worked through those things together? A, a cool thing, um, that happened. We had a really hard time, um, in life <clears throat> when we moved to North Carolina, Five months later, the company that your daddy, Roger, <laughs> worked for went out of business. And so here we were and we had a new baby and he didn't have a job and I was staying at home. So I hadn't even pursued any kind of career in North Carolina. So it was hard days, a lot of hard days. But what I found was, and we were just married for six years But what I found was that when I was really down, he would like put aside his worry and stress and, you know, everything that was going on and be up and lift me up and the, and vice versa that we 
like put aside how I was, you know, my, your personal feelings and reach out and be what that other person needed you to be, even though you were in the same place. Um, and that was love that made that possible because I loved him. And so I was being like, well, I can't be down. I have to lift him up. Right. I have to be um, what he needs right now. And what happens is when you do that, then you're not wallowing and drowning in your own sorrow because that's the same way as if you're single. It's all about you when you're feeling that way. And it really has to be all about that other person. Yeah. And yet the other thing that I think I found was when we had hard times and we had children, then it was all about them. And so when we were having hard times, we had to deal with it, but we didn't wallow and drown in that because we never wanted to put stress and have our children feel stressed about life. That wasn't their responsibility. That's parental responsibilities. And so you suck it up and you live life and you live joyfully, even when it's hard. So your children are experiencing that. Yeah. I mean, and I think too, even throughout our marriage, if you have a close relationship with each other, you know, you don't have to hang a sign around your neck and say, I'm having a bad day uh, or whatever you can, you can read it and know it. And so um, not trying to uh, ignore it, but then trying to approach it and find out, you know, maybe it's something outside both of your controls, but you still can comfort each other through the situation and know that, you know, you're not going this alone. You're both going to suffer for it, but um, you're going to still be there for each other and uh, through the good and the bad and the indifferent or whatever, but you're going to be there for each other. So you are going to do whatever you can to comfort them. And it may just be, you don't even have to say a word, go up and, you know, we, sometimes we just hug each other and you know that that was something that was needed or you say something that, that was needed or you, you crack a smile or say a joke or something along those lines, but to be aware of what's going on and, and support each other. And, and hopefully you don't on the same, um, have, have the bad day, the same days. And so you're able to lift each other a lot easier than you, if you were both having it on the same day. And, and that has happened, but we've been able to, you know, hear each other out in that, in that situation and, and still get beyond it because of the wisdom or the love or encouragement that comes from having that open conversation. There again, it's that communication thing. Yeah, for sure. And I'm, I'm really glad that you mentioned it's almost that like sacrificial love where like you and it, and it's that you guys have walked out the kind of like cliche thing that, you know, you, you hear about in the marriage space of like you are, when you get married, you are prioritizing someone's someone else's feelings and emotions above your own. Um, and you are, you know, making sure that they are taken care of while also taking care of yourself. And you're almost like prioritizing that person first. Um, and it's that like sacrificial love. And I think that, I mean, I feel from just growing up, you know, and being a product of your marriage, that that is something that 
you both have walked out so well, um, in loving each other, but then, and also just loving, you know, me and Christopher and, you know, everyone in your lives that that's something that the two of you, I feel like have really excelled at. And I think that's why you have a lot of, you know, health in your marriage. And then like I was, you know, kind of mentioning earlier, the two of you have like never stopped studying each other, daddy. That's what you were alluding to is that like, you know, you walk in the door and you know, without, you know, her saying anything, that, you know, she's had a bad day or, you know, that something is off and that, you know, you know each other so well that you're able to, um, you know, give and just be there to support like in those tough times um, without words having even, you know, without her even needing to say anything. And I think that that is so cool. I, I just said it, but the pursuit, how do you feel did you guys talk about pursuing each other always? Is that something where you're like, that is going to be a principle in our marriage? Um, was that just something that you guys did in dating that just kind of naturally happened? Like, where did that come from? Because I think that that's why a lot of, I mean, this is just my humble opinion, but I think that's why a lot of marriages fail is because, you know, the husband and the wife, they just stop pursuing each other. They stop doing the little things. Um, so is that something that, you two agreed on doing and said, this is a priority or did it just happen? Where did that come from? I think um, one of the few pieces of advice that I even remember from a parent was that my mother, shockingly, <laughs> no, I won't even get into that, why that's shockingly, <laughs> but she said, the best thing that you can do for your children is to take care of your marriage. Mm-hmm. And I took that to mean, you know, in having a good marriage, that again, you are working on it. And so, and I, you know, I shared this piece of advice or that he had, that my mother had given with Roger early on. And I don't know that we talked about specifically what that meant, but we did know that a good marriage comes with work. We both knew that. And that if you let things slide, you know, you get into the habit of not working on it and it's mm-hmm. working on a good marriage. Um, it actually is quite fun. Yeah. Um, it's it's not hard work. It's, I mean, it is, sometimes it is hard, but it's fun because what are you doing? You are making that other person happy. Mm-hmm. And want and making and doing things to want that other person to want to be with you. And so, um, you know, we get in a habit. Oh, wow. Right now, majorly. So we talk about not getting dressed and putting on makeup. But if I hadn't gotten dressed and put on makeup, I will do it before he comes home. <laughs> um, you know, I, I take pride in how I look for him. Mm. Um the house, cleaning the house. I, I want him to enjoy that. And you know, because you grew up with us, that we share responsibilities. It's not my responsibility to clean the house, but he more than I, like everything put away. <laughs> <laughs> and so if I hadn't done that, you know, I'm going to go do that and put things away on the average day. Um, not every single day of my life have I done that, but <laughs> You know, just little, really not, not that important things, knowing that that's what he wants. Yeah. I'm going to do that. And of course, we've always said, 
when we had children, we would have one date month, one date night a month. Um, and that's a lot sometimes, especially as they get older and they're involved in so many activities. But it's it's an example to show them that you still need to be alone. Mm-hmm. Um, having special time after bedtime. I mean, there's so many ways that you do this, but if you don't intentionally do it, yeah, it won't happen. Yeah. Because life is busy and especially after kids and you're further along in your jobs and careers and things and um, all, all the other part of life, all good, you know, having, going with, out with friends, doing things at church, all of that, it's all good, but you find that you haven't actually spent quality time alone. Well, and I think there is some a certain about, uh, in, at least for us, an inherent intention to be intentional. Yeah. If that makes any sense. Because uh, we, we do go out of our way to do things to show our love and appreciation and um, our basically our love and appreciation for each other and what you know each other brings to our relationship and out to our family. Uh, I know when we first got married, Mama used to get upset with me because I would walk in the front doors. I was working and she wasn't when we first got married and, and she wanted to hear about my day. And my day had been bad and I wanted to walk out from the outside world into this relationship world with my bride, my wife, my partner, and not worry about that. You know, and the Bible talked about shake the dust off your feet or sandals before you walk into the, you know, into the house or the city or whatever. And that was kind of what I was doing because I didn't want to relive my day. I wanted to have the joy of, of my relationship with my, my wife. And so, you know, there was a certain amount of intentionalness to leave it aside, but going back before we would know, we would know that if there was something that was so bad that you couldn't leave outside that you had to share it, that ability was there, but. But He also also had to learn that I wanted him to share all of his life with me and that maybe you know, a lot of people talk about the day as soon as they get home, but for him, it may have been later so that he didn't have to face it again right then. But it was, imp- he had to learn that it was important that he shared about his work with me because I needed to be a part of that. Yeah. Well, and I think part of it too was that that did evolve because I think I was afraid that if I walked in and started talking about it immediately, then I was going to Re, you know, react in a very bad way about it because right. I was working in a you know fairly toxic situation. So by waiting later on in the evening or whatever, then my emotions had settled down some, right. but I could talk about it in a, in a more controlled uh, way that it was easier to have a conversation that way. And then he found that I was his support. Right. I I was his sounding board. I was an encourager. He had never had that. Right. Because, you know, working as a single person, he had never had that. That person to encourage him in certain situations, give him advice about certain situations. So he learned that I could be that person for him. And so there was benefit in sharing. But I did. And I learned that he really wanted to let it go when he got home. And so I didn't need to have it right then. Yeah, it was a again that that give and take for that other person. Yeah, what they needed, and I think that was 
you know, part of me pursuing him was, no, I'm, I'm there for you. I am your sounding board. I am the person that's going to cheer you on no matter what. Um, and that continues today. I mean, that for was, sure. you know, what we, we know that we can share those valleys and we can share those mountaintop experiences with each other as far as issues in life, uh, mm-hmm. even issues, you know, that in the working world or in your, in the family world or whatever the case may be that we have, <clears throat> we have each other for that, uh, opportunity to to share and not be afraid of what you say yeah you're not going to get you know hammered or criticized like you if you were to say it in out in the in the (laughs) working world or whatever I mean there's been times in my life many times where I would write an email about something at work and I would send it to her first and say (laughs) am I gonna get fired if I send it this way How should I tweak it to make it more professional and take out my <laughs> attitude that I really wanted to share? And, yeah. and I think that's kind of the way we've been, even with, you know, if we have to have a conversation with somebody, we kind of talk about it to make sure that we're not going to say it in such a way that is hurtful, but more constructive and beneficial for both, both concerned. Yeah. I think that that's something that I definitely have learned from your marriage and just witnessing it and being again, a part of it, a product of it, um, is that you both do a good job at like letting each other express your emotion and that, you know, one of you comes home, has had a rough day is talking about that day and the emotion that you have about that day, that it might feel like you are, you know, projecting that emotion on that other person. You're not, you know, you're not angry or upset or, you know, disappointed in one another, despite like how it might feel as you're discussing it. But those are just the emotions that you have. And I think that you guys do a really great job at letting each other feel what you need to feel. And again, kind of like you were kind of talking about or alluding to, but like supporting each other in that and like recognizing that, you know, one another's emotions are valid um, and really just like supporting each other through that And that is it for part one of our marriage conversation in the Relationship Realness series. We will look forward to having you back next week for part two. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode, girlfriend. If you love this episode and it's really resonating with you, it would mean the world to me if you shared it with one of your soul sisters or share it on your social media and tag me so I can reach out and thank you for helping to get the message out. I am the most dang thankful that we are on this journey together to become really freaking proud of the women that we are and the women that we are becoming. We are doing the dang thing and I can't wait to see where it takes us.